Oh, all right. Well, let us pray together this morning. Holy God, as we come before you in your presence in this time, we ask that you would still our hearts, that we might come to encounter you anew this morning and uncover the depths of your love and the plan, the vision that you have for us as a church and community moving forward. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts on your words be good and pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our strength and redeemer. Amen. So, a similar question you've just heard. Who here likes bad fruit? No? Not, not really a big fan of bad fruit. Uh, you know, that, that kind of fruit that's like mushy and, and bruised and stuff like that. Nobody likes bad fruit, right? I mean, it's just, it's just not what you want. I personally don't have any stories about bad fruit in my own experience because I'm very picky when it comes to fruit. I don't, I don't deal with fruit that's mushy or bruised or anything like that. I'll eat a whole thing of grapes, and at the very end you'll see you know, a handful of them still left in the little container because those are the ones that just, just didn't look right to me, so I don't want to deal with them at all. I'm very picky about my fruit. But I do have experience with bad food. All right, I mean, I'm sure we probably all can relate to that experience where we've gone to a restaurant that we trusted a restaurant, a restaurant that we loved, and we'd gotten that, that same meal that we've always gotten, but this one particular time, the chicken wasn't cooked all the way, or they were using romaine lettuce or something like that. And later that night, you weren't feeling so good on the inside. You weren't too happy with your decision earlier that day. And after that, you said, never going back there again, because I know they might try to trick me again. I trusted this place, and they let me down, and they ruined my insides and really gave me a rough night, right? We can relate to an experience like this. Jesus is using here before us, and this is Jesus speaking in, in, uh, in the book of Matthew, agricultural uh, analogies to help us understand this, uh, what it means to be a Christian in uh, Jesus' eyes. And he says the church... Not specifically, but he's talking about the church, the people, the group of believers very much work like a restaurant in that it's you know, producing something, something's coming out of it. Maybe, hopefully, there's food coming out of the kitchen. You know, people are able to partake in it. But once you get a bad meal there, you don't want to go back. Once you've gotten something from the church that just really made you sick inside, didn't make you feel too good inside, you don't want to go back. Nobody likes bad fruit. In fact, Jesus goes so far to say that trees that produce bad fruit, they're cut down and thrown into the fire. This morning, we're continuing our series on uh, our Spring Hill Avenue Path to Excellence uh, sermon series, which is based off of our visioning meeting uh, that happened a couple of weeks ago. And during this time, we talked about a couple of different categories as we're looking forward into the life of our church, as we're visioning toward the church's future. Things like asset-based community development, in-reach and outreach, the structural life of our church. But this morning, there's something in particular I want us to be thinking about. And it was the second category that we talked about at this visioning meeting. And it was, on, it was titled The Strip Down. It was about 
looking at things that are happening in the life of our church that are no longer producing fruit, or things in our own lives that are no longer being beneficial to anything else. You see, it's very easy for us to you know, start something up, a program or ministry, and just keep going along with it because that's what we've always done. But if it's no longer producing fruit, particularly good fruit, then maybe it's time for us to reevaluate and figure out something different to go in its place, something that we can uh, really be benefiting the community through. And it's based off of this notion that uh, comes out of Matthew chapter 7 here. Uh, We'll start in verse 17. In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will know them by their fruit. This is how Jesus decides to close the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is the pinnacle of Jesus' teachings in the book of Matthew, and there's also the equivalent, the Sermon on the Plain in the book of Luke. In the book of Matthew, it's chapters 5 through 7, which is this collection of Jesus' teachings in which he is essentially trying to describe what it means to be an alternative, transformed community. What it means to be a people that look different from other people, a people who act different from other people, a people who are encountering the world in a wholly unique way for the benefit of the world. And through this, you have uh, many different teachings that he's going on with the whole time He's trying to teach us to change the way that we've been thinking about how we should engage the world all along. And he starts from the very beginning, chapter 5, verse 1, with the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, the whole process is about rethinking what is actually blessed. The word Beatitude means blessed or the blessings. And these are the sayings in which Jesus, uh, Jesus talks about, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn, these kind of things. And and they're the things that we wouldn't say typically are blessings. If you have ever been a person who has experienced poverty or knows a person who has experienced poverty, then you know that being impoverished, you don't feel particularly blessed all the time. Whenever you have a surplus and you have wealth, that's whenever people say, oh, I'm very blessed. But Jesus is saying, blessed are the poor. Likewise, he goes on, blessed are the meek, the gentle, the humble. In our uh, society, we, pr- we prize strength. But Jesus says, no, the meek are the ones who are blessed. Blessed are those who mourn, not the ones who are happy all the time, but the ones who actually mourn. Jesus is going along in the Sermon on the Mount to try to give us a different perspective on the world, saying perhaps we're, we're encountering the world a little bit more skewed than we could be. Perhaps we are not really engaging the world in the best way we could. And so Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount with two important points. They must be important because this is how he chooses to end the Sermon on the Mount. The first is, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by, the fruit, by their fruit. The second one is, and not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. 
two important points in which Jesus is trying to get us to realize that the church is called to be something incredible. The church is called to be something that, that dramatically moves the world in incredible ways, that gets the world to, to, to a point of hope and peace and joy. But the thing is, that means that the church can't act like every other organization out there. That means the church can't just look like every nonprofit that's around or every other group of people or social club or what have you. It means we are called to be something that the world can benefit from. And so this is where Jesus dives into this language of fruits. And good trees and bad trees, good fruit and bad fruit. And in this, Jesus says, fruits are, fruits are what we produce. They are our words and deeds. They are the things that we contribute to the world. That's our fruits. I mean, it, it's... Uh, Simple enough analogy, but this is Jesus is using these agricultural analogies to help us uh, understand the point he's making. And he says, we are like trees. Once again, we don't necessarily look like trees entirely. We have branches, I guess. We are like trees that are to bear fruit, that are to contribute something to the world. And if you've ever walked up to a tree that has no leaves on it, no flowers, no fruit on it, then the natural thing to assume is that if it's in season, it's dead. That it's, you know, termites have gotten to it or, you know, disease or something. The tree's done for. It's over. It's, it's no longer contributing to the world in the way it should be. Now, un unless, you know, it's wintertime and you come up to a tree that uh, looks this way, then you just know the tree's out of season. And so a quick side note here, like trees, we as human beings are also seasonal beings, Sometimes we need to rest rather than to bear fruit. But if we have no season of fruitfulness, then what good are we? Or to take it one step further as Jesus does, not only if we're not bearing fruit, but if we're bearing bad fruit, what good are we? And bad fruit, I think, is the more dangerous, uh, is the more dangerous of things that the church can be because bearing bad fruit at least looks like you're bearing some fruit. If you've ever had the experience of walking up to a tree, picking off a piece of fruit, thinking that it's going to be good and finding out, you know, there's some sort of pest in there or some uh, or insect or, or some, something's wrong with it, you, you feel like, ah, oh, I thought this was gonna be ripe. I thought this was gonna be good. I thought this was gonna be something I could enjoy. The same goes for the church, whenever people Come to, come to the church and, and are expecting one thing, maybe a, a message of hope, maybe a community that welcomes them, and it doesn't end up happening, and people think, oh, I, this is what I expected. It didn't happen. But the church still thinks it's doing a good job because at least we're showing some fruits, although they're not healthy fruits. And so Jesus is calling us as a community, to constantly be re-evaluating our life and effectiveness in the way that we are engaging the world, saying, are you doing something beneficial? Are you being fruitful? Do you have signs of that fruitfulness? And this is where it gets a little uncomfortable because Jesus claims that fruits are more important 
than belief. Fruits are more important than belief alone. And this comes in that second part, starting in verse, uh, in verse 21, whenever Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And I want you to think, why, why would Jesus say this? Why would Jesus make this claim? Not everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will, be, will, uh, will, uh, will enter the kingdom of heaven? I thought that was the deal, that you just had to call on the name of Jesus and you'd be saved, and like, that's, that was it. Right there, that's all you needed. But Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And why? Jesus goes on. Because following Christ is about living like you believe, not just saying that you do. That verse 21 carries, carries on by saying, you know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. In other words, only those who act on their faith. Faith, we've talked about this a couple of months ago, faith is an action. It is trust in action. And Jesus is saying here that fruits, being able to show something for your faith, being able to show that your faith actually is making a difference in your own life and in the, in the, life, in the life of the community is more important than just saying that you believe, than just passively believing or attending church because you feel like that's what you're supposed to do or going to uh, Bible studies because you, know, you want to increase your faith. Jesus is saying, belief, that's all well and good, but it's about more than just that. If you don't believe me, let's take a, step, take a look further. I want to uh, invite you to pull up the book of James. A lot of people don't like the book of James because... James says some stuff that really, it's really convicting. James makes us feel like we have to do something, and so a lot of people don't like the book of James for that reason. I like the book of James because it's very practical. It's not, it's not all this uh, ambiguous theology out there. James chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and be well fed, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. This is James, allegedly the brother of Jesus who is writing this. And it's playing off of this same notion that Jesus brings up in the Sermon on the Mount. That, it's a, that, that our identity as a church is about more than just what we believe. We can talk about what we believe and don't believe all day long, but what it really comes down to is how we're making a difference in the world. Jesus, Jesus uh, confronts this Fruit and this notion that fruits are more important than belief alone by the statement that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then going on to say, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. And these are pretty harsh words from Jesus. But it's based off of, or based off of this notion that, that faith without works is meaningless. 
James goes on in chapter 2, verse 19, and says, You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Even the demons believe. Belief alone, okay, that's great. Belief alone, fine. But even the demons believe. And we know the demons are on the bad guys team, right? We, we don't want to be associated with them. Even the demons believe, but true faith is lived out in action. And so this notion of fruits is to say, what good is it to say that we believe but have nothing to show for it? What good is it for us to say, yes, we believe in this loving God and this Savior who cares for all of, all of humanity and, and became incarnate to dwell among us and then to die for the sins of all of the world, but yet we do not live into that faith? What good is it for, for us to say we follow this Christ who cared for the poor, ate with sinners, was rejected by all the people around him. And yet we ourselves do not care for the poor and eat with sinners and be there for the people who need us most. See, the world isn't changed by belief alone. The world is not changed by belief alone. The world is changed by good works, deeds of healing and hope. And so Paul kindly continues to play off of this theme in the book of Galatians. Paul, uh, in, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, uh, starts taking this theme of fruits and expounding upon it. And in, in chapter 5, he's, he talks first about the fruits of the flesh are this. This is what the fruits of the flesh are, X, Y, and Z, all these things. He has a full list of things that are, you know, whatever. But then he goes on and say, but the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruits of the Spirit. This is what the fruits of the Spirit look like. In other words, this is what good fruit looks like lived out in the world. This is what fruit that makes a difference in the world looks like. It has the form of love and joy. It feels like peace and patience. It tastes like kindness and generosity. Something to enjoy, like faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruits that our life in faith should be exemplifying. These are visible and actionable fruits that change the world. Because we, friends, every single day encounter a world that is desperately in need of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We ourselves consistently need to be poured into through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gen generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are really hard to keep straight in your head. And Jesus is saying, they will know you by your fruits, by what you have to show for it. And these are good fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the good fruits. These are the things that we should be living out on a daily basis. And Jesus warns us of, the, of the, being the people who produce bad fruits. 
In other words, things that don't fit into these categories. Jesus warns us against being a people who have no fruits to show for ourselves at all. And so, my question for us to think about today, and as we go through this week, is how can we be a people that make a difference in the world through good fruit rather than just being a people who talk about it? Because that's something I've learned in my time in the United Methodist Church that we're really good at. We're really good at talking about things. We're really good at meeting together and saying, this is what we should be doing. And we all come to a consensus, yes, this is what we should be doing. You're absolutely right. We should be doing this. Now, who can we nominate to do this for us? Jesus is saying, do them. Just do them. Just be the people who produce good fruits. Just be those people. Just be a person who goes out into the world with love and shows joy and has patience and and displays peace and fights for kindness and generosity. Is a person of faithfulness and gentleness, a person who displays self-control. Go be those people for the world. This This is the entire purpose of the church is to be this community that looks like this. Not just a community that claims they believe these certain things. It's all well and good for us to be a church that says this is what we believe. We believe in, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, whatever. We believe in these things. That's all well and good. But if we just stop there, then all we are is a social club with a list of values. Not the church. The church is a community that has these beliefs and says, now let's go live them out. Let's go show the world what these beliefs, what this faith looks like when it's in action. We are called to be a people who bear good fruit for the world, to be a people who take to the world love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good, gen- generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Every day of the week, Not just whenever we're sitting in our pew on Sunday morning and we're thinking about it. But every single day of the week that we encounter the world with good fruits. Fruits that show that this God whom we claim to believe in. This Christ figure whom we put all of our faith in and put our lives on the line for is worth it. It's displayed in our fruits. So how can we be a people that make a difference through good fruits, not just to people who talk about it. Because the world desperately needs love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The world desperately needs to see the fruits of our labor. Let us pray together.